Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades, find new roads. Chevrolet. It's the bluest room in town Yeah, they're actually funny And the guests are sound Through the ups and the downs Yeah, they'll be there waiting for the next time round You can find out what it means Everton will break your heart But they're still your team It's far from doom and gloom So tune in now And get involved with the blues the weekly show here on the Blue Room and we've got an Everton win at Goodison Park to talk about uh, the Blues keeping alive their slender, slender, slender European hopes with a win at Wolverhampton Wanderers. Joining me to have a chat about that and a variety of other things, Patrick Ridge. Patrick, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, good, thanks, Matt. Um, I, I feel like I've become very much an Everton dar over the last two weeks, just kind of getting more and more, more, more and more annoyed with them and miserable and angry at everybody involved at the club. Like I just wanted them all after Sunday. I wanted everyone sat, tea lady, Bill, all of them just gone. Um, and then you know, three days later, they've dragged me back in, and you know, now I'm thinking about well, are we going to be heading to Latvia or? The you know far from places of Belarus or whatever in in a few months time so yeah it's just I just, yeah hate them as much as I love them but apart from that fine <laughs> I love that I feel as though because Dom's recognised the existence of Everton Darners everyone is becoming a lot more aware of their own Everton Darners over the over the last few days it's sort of been like <laughs> yeah. with the Rodriguez stuff last night I was yeah. sort of saying like I wasn't happy about it and I was like am I am I being a bit bit too Everton diarrhea but. Uh, it is. It's like are we the are we the baddies, isn't it? It's, we've <laughs> yeah. all got a bit of Everton, a bit of Everton dar in us somewhere, yeah. Are we the dars? Yeah, uh, all of that. Um, <laughs> I'm joined as well by 
Uh, someone who was there last night to see, unfortunately not Hammers in the flesh, but see Everton win a, a home game at Gullison Park in the flesh. Uh, our very own host of the Monday show, Ben Crawford. Ben, how are you doing, mate? Are you still on a high after yesterday? Um, I wouldn't say on a high, Matt. No, hi, by the way. Nice to uh, be on the show today. I mean, I've got to appreciate the Mitchell and Webb uh, sort of pylons there. <laughs> I think that's that it all a little bit better for me. I'm a big fan. But um, I think... Um, Unfortunately, the game wasn't exactly what we want. What the feeling I've got today about the game isn't what I wanted it to be. I wanted to be sat here saying we're in pole position for European football. I'd be dead excited, but in absolute truth, as, as negative as it sounds, matter, I haven't really thought about the result much at all, to be honest, because I think our slender chance of uh, playing in the Farmers League looks like it, it really is a, <laughs> a pipe dream, and I think that says a lot. <laughs> Yeah, uh, unfortunately, we'll have a chat about Sunday and the many. No many hammers comments. either, by the way. So that, that, yeah. that made me. That nearly brought me to tears after I spoke to you yesterday outside the ground. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I can imagine, but yeah, we will speak about the many connotations that are about on Sunday. We'll have a chat about hammers as well, and those comments from Carlo Ancelotti about him being fatigued. But but first and foremost, Ben, and you know, you, know, you said there that not particularly happy with the situation we're in at the moment. Um, but, like I said, you, you were back at the ground yesterday. There were 6,000 people in there. Um, what did you make of the whole match day experience and, and how all that went? It must have, been, must have been quite special being there in the sunshine, watching the Blues walk out onto the pitch, at least. Yeah, I mean, it was quite surreal. You know, I spoke to you, obviously, when I arrived at the ground yesterday, Martin. It felt a weird atmosphere. It was, you know, very empty. It was very early that we had to get into the stadium, so... You had plenty of time to soak up the atmosphere. And to be fair, the atmosphere wasn't that bad, especially where I was sat. I was sat in the Upper Gladys Street stand and uh, there was actually quite a lot of singing and quite a lot of Everton Dars shouting. To be fair. I'm glad you mentioned the Everton Dars. You know, that sort of um, atmosphere was was definitely present. Whether, whether I'd say it was more reactive to the performance, I'd probably say it wasn't because, you know, they were singing throughout the game. The, the first half was absolutely dire to support and there were a few moans and groans but mainly for myself to be honest I was I was full Everton <laughs> die yesterday I was just fuming because I, I think I was always going to be fuming for this game because of the situation we found ourselves in getting beat by Sheffield United you know m- making it almost impossible for us to qualify for Europe even if we won which we ended up doing so I, I've got to be honest especially when I did see the team sheet which I, and I know you're going to come on to Hammers and the situation later as soon as I saw the team sheet so the Hammers wasn't playing we were playing five at the back in a game that really didn't even matter that much to me if we won, unless results really, really went in our favour. You know, it, it, it all... I just... I was sat there the whole time just sort of thinking to myself, imagine if we were fighting for something now. Imagine how lucky I'd be to be here. And I was lucky to be there. I'm grateful for that. But how lucky would I be to be here? And how good would the atmosphere be if we, if this game was sort of to fight for you? You know, if we'd have won yesterday, we'd have at least qualified for seven. That, it would have made it a bit more special. The fact that it was sort of a bit of a pointless game. It, it, it ebbed into feeling a little bit like a pre-season friendly at times, to be honest. And I was disappointed with that, but I suppose the fans are reactive as much as as much as I am as well. So the shouts about what they see on the pitch in their first half, it wasn't an awful lot. Second half, it was good to have a little bit of a shout, a little bit of a, a celebration when we scored. But, but ultimately, I don't think anything um, now, you know, even if I'd have been going to the City away game, I don't think there's anything really now that will capture my excitement that much because I, I just feel, and I hope I'm wrong, but I just feel like we've blown it and I'm still not forgiven this group of players for the uh, the highs and all the lows they put me through this season. And to come out, if we uh, end up coming out without any form of European football, be it Farmers League or not, I think um, it's, it'll take a lot for me to forgive those players, really. And, and that was the feeling inside the ground a lot yesterday for me. 
Yeah, I mean that's that's one of the things of all this, isn't it, Patrick? It, you know, sort of watching it myself when I when I got in yesterday and you know, sort of thinking that this this could have been a, a you know it was a great occasion to have that many people back in the ground for for the first time since March last year, and that in itself is a triumph and something that everyone should be excited about. But I do agree with Ben in regards to imagine if they'd beaten Sheffield United at the weekend or they'd won one of those other home games and. And you're going into this game, you're left, you know, you're ahead of Spurs. Perhaps you would have been three points ahead of Spurs. Um, you know, it's, it's very much in our hands. Um, European football, European League football is up for grabs. Everyone would have been properly up for it. And yeah, I think maybe maybe with that in mind, it's probably why it probably took a, a little bit of time for everyone to sort of get going in regards to the singing and everything. Because I think, like you said, there's, there's probably a large degree of people going to that game. You're happy to see the mates, happy to see Goodison, happy to see some live footy, but... We're still a little bit pissed off with this team, given what they served up on Sunday. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's like you're saying, it's all like ifs and buts now, isn't it? And we'll never know. But it's not out of the realms of reasonable expectation to us to have expected us to pick up more than zero points from you know five home games against Newcastle, Fulham, um, Burnley. Villa and Sheffield United um, yeah. and you know if we'd have picked up four points we'd be in Europe now and I think the straight thing is is you mentioned it there we, we kind of probably even this time last week after the Villa draw um, or the, you know when we got when we got the Villa draw we, we all probably we all said well it's a decent enough result if we but we've got to win our next two home games and um, because we, we I think we all knew that the fans would give us that extra boost um, against Wolves so I think maybe this is the wrong way of approaching it, but I think maybe as a fan base as well, we all probably subconsciously thought that's that we kind of treated it as a banker. And I know it, I know it, there's no bankers in terms of Evertonianism and, and there should never be a banker, but we probably were all, more, all that a bit more confident we whatever happened against Sheffield United, we would be able to get over the line against Wolves. And it was all on that Sheffield United game and... Yeah, the frustration's still there, and it, it will be there for the rest of the, you know for heading into the next season as well. Because I think there's, you know, Ben, you mentioned about being angry with the players, but I do think there's multiple part. I think all you know all the parties involved, and Ancelotti said it, and, and you know, Brands has to take his responsibility as well. They are all to blame, maybe not equally, but they all take the fair share um, because there's been mistakes made over and over again. I think even last night, I, again, I, you know, like I said, I've been pretty unhappy about it. And like last night when I saw the team, the Hammers thing just didn't surprise me in the end. I, I, I was like, that thing of like, oh my God, he's not playing again. But then I was like, well, actually, of course he wasn't ever going to be playing because it's Hammers Rodriguez and we're never going to get him to get to see him playing in Everton shirt, probably. Um, but then even the rest of the team, it's like Ancelotti had banged on about, you know, attitude and effort. Yeah. Yet the team that was set up the same it looked look, it appeared to be at first anyway and then obviously it kind of changed in the game it turned out it was more of a 4-4-2 um, the same midfield that had got torn apart by David McGoldrick and you know for my sins my, my housemate's a Sheffield United fan and I have had to watch a lot of Sheffield, Sheffield United this season <laughs> and, Sorry, and, and, yeah well exactly let me tell you it's not fun for anybody and David Goldrick has been their best player, but he's not someone that should be running rings around any other Premier League midfield. And he did that to us on Sunday. Um, so to see that exactly the same midfield start, it's like Tom Davis too, I think. You know, we all said after that West Ham game, well, with Decorey coming back, Davis surely is the one in there that maybe he's going to release the other two. And again, yeah. that didn't come to fruition. And I think, again, we saw it in the first half that 
it just it doesn't work. Um, I'm not saying Wolves were, you know, they were dominant without really threatening. They had the one effort and, a, you know, that Pickford made a good save from and a few half chances, piled on a lot of corners. But I, we, we looked relatively comfortable in keeping them at arm's length, but we had nothing to get hold of the ball. In, no one to get hold of the ball in midfield. So no one to get us up the pitch. And for such an experienced and pragmatic manager that Ancelotti is, it feels like he almost hasn't been doing the pragmatic thing lately. The pragmatic thing is to play Davis there because he gets the others further up the pitch. Um, so, you know, and obviously in hindsight, it worked out. And I think the second half, obviously Ancelotti got them in and the attitude and effort was there. And the fans responded to that and obviously getting the early goal helped. And, you know, in spells in the second half, we looked like at least there's a template there for next season that, OK, we it's clear what we need heading into the summer. A, you know, a five or six year old would be able to pick the players that the type of players <laughs> that we need. Um, never mind a you know, never mind a director of footballers' experience as Marcel Brand. So if we can maybe add if we can add that pace and dynamism, we've got we definitely got a template there to set up to be a counter attacking team. And we just don't have it at the minute because we haven't got enough pace up top. But it's then it still worries me that we haven't seen anything from this season, which will be why it's even more frustrating if we don't get Europe because we've got no tangible kind of at least we're yeah. making some progress. Um, because the football really has gone backwards, but you know, if you can kind of be like, well, we've got Europe with it, so at least that's something to show for it. Whereas if we finish ninth or tenth, which is just as you know, probably more likely, if feels like we've gone backwards and apart from being able to sit in a low block we're not really seeing anything else and I that that's where my kind of critique of Carlo would come in because I think in 18 months even with the players you have you would be we should be expecting to see a bit more more than that um so yeah frustrating night but obviously in the aftermath of it you know I suddenly had three the three I had um, West, the West Brom game on the Arsenal game on <laughs> And the Liverpool game on just to hope that yeah. Burnley would do something, you know. And uh, obviously, I turned them all off rather very quickly. Um, yeah. But as soon as West Ham equalised, I went off. But you know, it was the hope was there for forty minutes or so, and and then I just like stopped myself getting dragged back in a bit. Definitely, mate. Uh, ben, go ahead. Yeah, and that uh, to be fair, I'm just going to say there, Patrick made a really good point there that I was uh, going to bring up as well about you know the point that you know. <laughs> the need for tangible progress. And I think Europe definitely would have represented that. I, I know we say tongue-in-cheek about a farmer's league, but it, it's European football and we are not in a position to be turning our nose up at it. And the thing that concerns me the most, Martin, I know you um, I know you tweeted this uh, at the time after the Leeds performance at the weekend. We, we could quite tangibly, and in my opinion, will probably, in very, very likely circumstances, end up finishing 10th. And that is just... I mean, where is the improvement in that? You know, we finished 12th last season, but I think if I remember rightly, we did finish 12th, but we went into the last game. Um, I'm not sure whether we could finish 10th, but we certainly should have finished 11th, but we ended up getting beat to home to Bournemouth and then other results didn't go our way. But it just seems as though for a season that promised so much, it just doesn't, you know, if we end up 10th, I, and I'm not normally one for league because, you know, like I was speaking to my dad, the match yesterday, he said, if we don't get Europe, it doesn't matter where we finish, as long as it's not in the relegation, it doesn't matter, it's the same thing. But I even think, just to be able to have like that tiny thing to cling on to in terms of tangible progress, an eighth place, an eighth place finish now would be a good thing. And I can't believe this group of players have got me to thinking an eighth place finish without Europe below West Ham is tangible progress. Because I just wonder where we go from here. To be honest, but I know it's it's a debate for further down the line. 
Yeah, and I know what you mean. It's, I think I, I understand people who, you know, you say that about your dad saying, you know, if you don't finish in Europe and you don't go down, who's really arsed. And I do get that, but it's, I think it's just the, it's like the sensation, isn't it, of being, I think if we finish 10th, that, that would be the lowest we've been all season. And to be in the lowest you've been, kick in the teeth, yeah, to be yeah. the lowest you've been all season yeah. on the final day of the campaign, I think that it's just the feeling of it, isn't it? And why you can look at it and go, well, like you two points, they're two places up from where you were last year. You've won at Anfield, you've won at Tottenham, you've won at Arsenal, you've won at Leeds, you've won at Leicester, all, all these things. It's worth are, nothing, though, is it? Yeah. I don't think it's worth anything at all because Carlo will even argue that he only had half a season last season. In that half a season, he probably, I haven't seen the stats, but he probably, you know, if he'd have had a full season last season, probably would have finished about 10th with that squad as well. So I just, that's, that's where I sit with it. Yeah, I know what you mean, but I think I think we'll find out if it was worth anything when we go to those grounds next year and if we see a difference in the way Everton act. Because before this year, when they've gone to Anfield and Tottenham and all those grounds are mentioned, they've typically got their walked out and froze. And I think a lot of that's due to not having the quality to be able to play there, but a lot of that is due to the, due to the mental baggage as well. Certainly places like Arsenal, who've been about the same as Everton for, for a while now. You know, if Everton can go there next year and all of a but sudden... That, that's they... another thing, Matt. You talk, you talk about Arsenal there, who've had the worst season that I've ever known. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to finish above us, because they will, because they'll be Brighton. Yeah. Sorry, Patrick, go on, mate. No, no, just kind of, just on that point, um, I think it does link back the hope that we do, that I do have from this season in terms of those big results is getting those monkeys off our back to an extent. Now, the problem is, is you know, there's been, again, with the home form, I know I know now it's kind of, we've all realised it is awful, but the first kind of assumption was, oh, well, there's no fans here and that we still do see that, especially after last night. And I've seen a lot of comments saying, oh, it is all, you know, it was maybe just that the fans were missing and that didn't drive us on. And clearly that's part of it, but we can't use that as an excuse because unfortunately... If we use that as an excuse for the home form, we can't bang on about our away form because it's exactly the same for every team. So at least with the away form, uh, the away performances at Anfield, at Spurs, which I still think Spurs probably our best league performance of the season, to be honest, in terms of an all-round display. It's the best we've looked. Um, and we've somehow just managed to keep on, you know, mm-hmm. like I said, and now, now we might finish the lowest we've been all season. Um, at least they maybe give us that Okay, we've got that mental barrier out of the way and they give us a t- template from which to work from so that we know next season we go to Anfield and if we've got that direct winger that we need and we've got another body in midfield and maybe someone else to bring off the bench and, you know, if Hammers, let's fingers, I know we'll come on to him, fingers crossed he is still here. He's that little sparkling of stardust that we might need to win it, you know, to create a moment like he did for the opener at Anfield or score that goal at Old Trafford. We've got... We have got that template there where we can become a bit more like, okay, we are going to sit deep, but you've got to be scared of us on the break. Whereas really, the games that we've won away from home, they've been all about just taking the one chance when they've come. Whereas if you think back to that Leicester team that win the title, they were probably one of the best counter-attacking teams of the last 10 years. They they attacked at every single opportunity with pace. And I think that's what we need to become if we're going to build on those performances this season. But it's then about not being one-dimensional and having that other side, which I think is the side we haven't seen. Um, and obviously, better players are going to play a part in that. But the, I think the culture needs to improve as well. And obviously, the attitude and application from the players that are here as well in that case. Um, so yeah. it's, it's not all doom and gloom, but I can definitely see both sides of the argument. 
Yeah, and players certainly he's got room to grow after this season as Richarlison scored the winning goal last night. Um, look a, a bit more back to normal last night, Ben. I mean, I think the first half was a bit of a toil for everyone, like you said, but it seemed as though when he got that, um, when he got that goal uh, early in the second half, great yeah. header, obviously loved scoring against the Wolves. I think that's his fifth goal in, in four games against them since he since he came to Everton. Um, but, you know, not spectacular by any means, but it just felt of all the lads on the pitch last night, he was the one who fed off the, the 6,000 in there more than anyone. Yeah, I think that's a fair point to make. I think he did look up for it, but I think it took the goal for him to get that air of confidence back, like you say, as well. It's a funny one with Charlton because he's had quite a comparatively poor season. But every time I see him now, you know, you always obviously the bait will always rage about what, what's his best position, what's his best role in the side. But I actually think his best role in the side is when he's not on the ball. Now, that, that might sound a little bit a little bit strange, but yeah. I think his best qualities are almost Tim Kales getting on the end of chances, scoring big goals. When he's got the ball at his feet on the left wing and he's got the ball and he's got time to take a touch or have a shot, he very rarely does anything with it. I think he's only scored one goal from outside the box at the club. Most of his chances he cuts inside and kills them straight into the goalkeeper's arms. I actually think he's a lot more effective when he's in the box sniffing round chances rather than actually creating things for other players. And I think we saw that. I mean, it was an excellent header, absolutely excellent finish yesterday. You know, he got up well and he, he directed it in almost a perfect position, you know, at the back of the net. And it was right, to, you know, it was at my end, the Gladys Street end. And it was, it was a nice moment. But, you know, at other times in the game, I think I'm still wanting a little bit more movement from the team. As You know, in general, I think more movement off the ball. And, you know, I, I can only echo the sentiments that you both sort of, both of those shed on us there where you're saying that we need direct pacey players in to complement these sides. And, and I think that's true. But I think one thing that mustn't be overlooked is how maybe to best use Richarlison, because I don't think we've done it this season by playing him sort of out, out wide a little bit. I know the, the debate will always ravage. I've always seen him as more of a, a striker or a second striker because I just think he's got that, that Kale, that Stephen Naismith kind of ability to pop up in certain situations and grab a goal rather than influence the game from deep. And it was nice to see him get the goal. Look like it, it mattered to him. Another player who will probably have a question mark over his head on whether or not he's going to be here next summer. I don't think we'd like to lose him, but uh, depends what his ambitions are and Ancelotti's ambitions as well. And, you know, in the end, it only echoes what I can say about the rest of the squad, really. Yeah, it was a nice goal and it was a nice win, but ultimately he's had a poor season. And for me now, Everton have had a poor season as well. So as much as you try and look at the positives and try and keep, you know, happy that Richelton's got that goal, obviously it meant something to him. You can always you know, turn the coin over and say, oh, next season the fans will be back, it'll be different. But I'm sick of saying things are going to be different with Everton <laughs> and uh, I just want it to be different and we win or we qu- win something or we qualify for the European competition and we don't just go through this groundhog day because it seems as though we've got a unique opportunity with Ancelotti in charge. And, and that's down to Ancelotti as well. He's not avoided from criticism, by the way. But no, nice to get the win. Good performance from Richarlison on the night, especially second half. But again, I... He's seven league goals all season, 13 in all comps. That's one less than he has in his final in his last two seasons. Uh, and he's took a penalty this season, which he didn't in the last two. So, yeah, I think just like the whole squad, they're good on the night. But uh, I think we still need to get more out of them. Patrick? Yeah, just to echo what Ben said as well, like, I totally agree that I think with Rich Allison, you've got he is a player that you want on the ball as little as possible. I know it, it does sound counterproductive, but you want he, you want him to just be finishing off the moves. Now, when he's full of confidence, like as soon as he's gone, I think he played all right in the first half, to be fair. He had that kind of diving header. And I was kind of thinking, 
you know, players like a sighter sometimes, don't they? And it's like, well, if he gets another chance, he'll, he'll hopefully take it. And obviously had that kind of cross shot that went either or really. But then he had his head and he took, took the chance. And after that, he played that lovely ball, you know, behind a lovely through ball behind Cody. England's best centre-back ever, according to Jamie Cargo, I think. Um, He's a joke, know, and, and He's an absolute joke. As a yeah, potential yeah. international footballer, <laughs> that, that is beyond the pale. That, I, I, I'll yeah, leave you to it now. Yeah. He's the most overrated central defender I've seen for a long time. And um, mm. Yeah, so Calvert-Lewin gets the better of him, really. And I think I can... It was a hard chance because Dom's off balance, but, you know, he's one of those that I was thinking, well, it, he... You know, we, we always say that that's what Dom's got to work on, but I do think with certain stra- with certain players that just comes naturally. Like Lukaku, that's a goal. It doesn't matter if it's right foot, left foot, that's a goal. He's going across the keeper. It's like Dom with the West Ham one did, did it really well, but I think we'll always you know have that frustration that he, he maybe just doesn't have that natural instinct that those strikers have. It doesn't mean he can't be top quality or work at it. It's just, you know, we've got to accept that's what it is. But that's the kind of first time I think we've seen Richarlison really link up with Dom well hmm. now but we don't really want him ha- we don't want him to be the player doing that because really we want two of them running in behind so there's two options um, so it's about getting and I think we did it really well early in the season because we played that shape that, that obviously the fullbacks were bombing on so they gave us the width so Richarlison I, I think he's just I think he, what maybe what you describe as an in, inside forward he isn't a winger he isn't really a striker and playing him in either position, whether it's in a two or out wide in a in midfield, doesn't really get the best out of him. You've got to kind of just play him in the channel, I know, if that makes sense, so that he is literally getting on the end of moves. And earlier in the season, he might not have been getting in, getting the goals in those first four or five games, but he was. He did get like three assists. And, you know, he was getting, because he was pretty much getting in that left channel and Hammers was playing it into him, Dean was providing the width. So he was there to get on, basically to either finish a move off or maybe get a touch on that inevitably during that period Dom would finish off. So if we can just find a way to get him back to that next season and, you know, hopefully the fans will be able to stay in and we'll be able to get fuller capacities by each passive week, then, you know, he's the least of our worries. I think he really is. I've seen a lot of comments and I understand the frustration about, you know, saying, well, I'd sell him because he's, he's not been great this year and that's fine, but, he scored 43 goals for us in three years. Hmm. Like, it's not bad going and he's 24, 23, 24. Oh, he's 24. He's, he's not the main problem, like you say, is he? Exactly. He's not, not the main problem. We Obviously, if a big, massive bid came in for him, we'd consider it. I think we would for any of our players. I don't think any of them have both been sold. Um, and that's probably a sad indictment of the squad. But at the same time, we, we want we want to be getting rid of the ones that offer nothing before we even think about, you know, oh, well, let's get rid of Richarlison because he looks a bit mardy when he's not playing well. I just, you know, and that's where I do go against the Everton Darnus. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I want those... I've, Evertonians sometimes, or some of them, don't seem to like players who score goals. And it's like, well, you know, we need them in the team as well. But obviously they need to be working hard and, and playing for the tide as well. Yeah, I think Richarlison, you, you don't want him in tight spaces, do you? I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, he isn't good enough. He isn't technically good enough, I don't think. He's very, he's a street footballer, isn't he? So, the most un-Brazilian, Brazilian footballer ever. <laughs> yeah, he's not. I don't think he's the type of player that I thought a lot of people thought we were getting. Because when, when he signed for us, it was very much a case of, well, he's very exciting and very skillful and entertaining. But he, he used can't to dribble past players yeah. when he was at Wofford. He used yeah. to do step-overs and look like 
he was like a really pacey, tricky winger with no end product. Whereas he's got the end product, just nothing else. Yeah, he's gone the other way, hasn't he? Like I remember yeah. people saying when he comes, he hadn't scored a goal, had he, for months before he came to Everton, and now that looks like the, the best part of his game. So it's it's funny how players can can. I'd say he's the best up, finisher but... at the club. Yeah, I'll probably go along with that. To be fair, in in, in those situations where you run him through on goal, definitely. You'd but back I think... him. You'd back him ahead of Calvert Lewin a lot, wouldn't you? When one on ones. Yeah, well, I think Patrick's right as well in regards to you think back to those early weeks of the season, and I think because Rodriguez took up such good positions and was so good on the ball and sort of drew plays towards him. It just opened up space on the left, didn't it, for Dinia and, and for Richarlison. And, you know, when when you you, you swing the ball out there and Richarlison's got 10, 15 yards of space, all of a sudden him not being, you know, a tight dribbler is not as big an issue then because he's got space yeah. to run into and stuff. So that is certainly something we need to look at doing. If, I think if we can get him the ball in dangerous areas and get him the, in the ball with space to run into, then he can be... A major threat. Uh, just before we speak about Hamas, uh, Ben, what were you, your first impressions of of your namesake, Mister Godfrey, um, on on um, on Wednesday night as well? I imagine even the Everton Dars uh, were loving some of his tackles and some of his surges off the pitch because it was just another really accomplished performance from him, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I think he's a better footballer than me as his namesake, anyway. <laughs> but uh, I think you know that that's not a shock to anyone. But no, it absolute seriousness. He was uh, he's my man of the match, probably give or take. I think that. Uh, you know, it, the whole manner of his game is just so pleasing to watch. You know, from a, even from an attacking point of view, he was we were sat in the Gladys Street and he was running down the right wing and beating players. And you know, he's fast enough, he's strong enough, he, he looks like he cares enough, he can tackle, he can win headers. I mean, the only thing missing from that lad is a Jolien Lescott style goal rush. Really, mm. you know, you're looking at him thinking he was the business we can build our hat on. I was in, I almost, I didn't in the end, but I was always going to interrupt the, the point you and Patrick made about no players beyond sale. I actually don't think the club would listen to any offer for Ben yeah. God because I think we yeah. need to find a partner for him, not the other way around. I, you know, I think that um, he's the real, the real positive to come out of even this second half of the season. I think we've got a really good base to build from there. He's an absolute colossus. I mean, uh, there's not many... He reminds me of a young Rio Ferdinand, but he's even bigger than Rio Ferdinand, really, in terms of his stature and how strong he is in the tackle. But he do, he just reminds me of one of them players. And I'll be honest with you, I had a little look at the odds for the England Euro squad after yesterday, given that Gareth Southgate was in the stadium taking in his performance yesterday. Him and Michael Keane are both 5-1 to one to make that squad. And I just think he... I, you know, listen, Keane had a great game as well, as I'm yeah. sure you'll all agree. But Ben Godfrey's got the raw attributes you need to play at that level. You know, he's fast, he can play in a three, he can play in a two, he's he's athletic. Michael Keane hasn't got that, and I'm convinced that's why he doesn't get in the England team, which, of course, makes no excuse for Conor Cody, which I won't go into again. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think there's a real need for sort of athletic, combative centre-backs in the modern game and almost squash-buckling centre-backs, really. And I, I wouldn't be surprised. I really wouldn't be surprised now if he gets a late call, cause I, and I think he'd deserve it as well. So, I... T- I you know, you talk about players keeping hold of. I could see someone really coming in with the big, you know, coming in and really giving us something to think about with him. Because I just think, especially if he goes away with England, he might end up starting if Maguire's not fully fit. You know, he's one you've got to watch, and I just think he's been an absolute revelation this season. And you know, again, it's 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 one of those things. It's just so so unjust that he's a player playing the way he is in a team that is. I mean, again, not trying to, trying to sound too negative, but will achieve absolutely nothing this season, and he doesn't deserve that. Yeah, in regards to you mentioned there, he's you know, about Lescott and how he doesn't need that that goal rush. I think sometimes I'm watching Patrick, and he, 
I feel like he reminds me quite a lot of, of Sylvan this time when he was in his younger days at Manchester City and he'd sort of win the ball back, step into that space like Godfrey did yesterday and then just just get his head down and go up the pitch. You know, obviously yeah. when he came to Everton later in his career, he didn't really have, you know, well, maybe it's just David Moyes told him to stop doing it, but he didn't really have the, the energy to get up and down as much. When I hope he played better against Liverpool and this Yeah, Bambu. oh, oh well, <laughs> yeah, but he's already got an Anfield win under his belt, hasn't he, I suppose? So that's, uh, that's <laughs> good. Well, made his debut against the Reds, didn't he? He did very well at right back. But um, but no, he's a, he's a very accomplished player, isn't he, Patrick? And, you know, you know, we said about Richarlison relishing the return of fans, I think. Godfrey has shown early signs of doing that as well. I think the first time everyone sort of woke up to how good this lad was was the game I was at in December when we played Chelsea and he played yeah, left back Chelsea that game. day and he was excellent, wasn't he, in, in that game? Yeah. And it felt it feels like he sort of fed off the energy that night and has, has gone from strength to strength since then. Yeah, definitely. And I think the best, the, the kind of the biggest compliment you can play to him now is he's the first, one of the first names on the team sheet, isn't he, clearly? And he, he played it right... You kind of get a bit frustrated in a way because it's like you want to see him being able to nail down one position because even though he's got all the raw attributes, you don't want him to become that you know that player that's just too versatile for his own good. I don't think he will, and I think I trust I trust a manager like Ancelotti to be able to you know know that long term he's going to be a centre back. But the the brilliant thing with him is is he looks exactly as he looks just as good at right back as he does at left back, and he looks over at centre back. He just plays in the same way. There's no, you know, I mean, obviously it was only Sunday that he made a really poor decision and it ultimately cost us the goal that, you know, we went down to. But there was obviously a multitude of errors from the entire team and in, in the build-up to the goal and from then on to, you know, not even to get back into the game. So, he's, you know, but he's positioning, I think we've seen it a few times this year that I think the goal we conceded, one of the goals we conceded against Fulham, he it was kind of Godfrey's on Godfrey again, and there's a few little bits and pieces that he needs to work on. But he's 22, 23. Those are those will come, and he's got all that raw power and raw pace to just make him the ideal Premier League player. And he goes back to the recruitment in the summer. Obviously, that's a brilliant signing, and the recruitment team finding him, picking him out, and and making the move for him when we did last year. It, it's exactly what we need to be doing this summer. He is. Because it, the, the Premier League, the quality in it isn't great. And we all know that. Like, it, you know, this Man City team is as good as they can be. I, I think, you know, I don't think they'd stand up against the Man City team of a few years ago. Hmm. And everyone's had a difficult season without the fans. And, you know, next season will be different. But I still think the quality in general is going to be, there's a lot of middle insides. But if you have power and physicality and athleticism, you can go a long way in this league. And whether that's an individual individual player or as a as a team unit, so he shows exactly what we need to be aiming for this this summer. You know that that young, ideally younger player around the twenty five, you know twenty five or young, younger age, but just someone who's players who've got that power because it, it gets you out of so much trouble. Uh, you know when Godfrey, okay, sometimes he might sell himself a bit short. Be a lot, you know, he'll get back. And the the thing with it, the only the the one thing that I would maybe not kind of bet on him getting that England place because I do think he deserves it. I just think that the reason Southgate might not take him is because I think Southgate will probably play Walker as that third defender. If he, hmm. I just think, I just think if he's watching Conor Cody yesterday. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I, well, I think, to be fair, I think the, the only reason could, the only reason I could think of 
for Cody to go would be that he plays in a back three. But I wouldn't take Cody. You know, I would take, the, I think there's Godfrey and then there's Fakaya Tamari who's done brilliantly at Milan. I think, you know, those Onto two... the field those, as well. Yeah, those, yeah, exactly. Those two players are of three players. Those are definitely better, better selections. But maybe the maybe Southgate might just look at it and think he's one for after the Euros, maybe. But you know, we've we've got those three extra places, and his form in twenty twenty one definitely he definitely deserves a shot at it. And it'd be, it'd be brilliant for him to see that. You know, we talk about tangible success. Well, for him to finish, you know, the season in the England squad would be would be perfect because like you said he doesn't he doesn't deserve to be in a team that can't even get in the farmers league and i do like how it's now just become the farmers league yeah we're not in it's the farmers league if we were in it it'd be a premier european competition yeah 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 <laughs> yeah uh it's mike's fault though it's just entered its way into blue room lexicon the it's going to be called the farmers cup but yeah i, I think i think you're right i think you will miss out on this squad but um he sort of, I think it reeks of first squad after a major tournament to bring him in when yeah, exactly. you meant to start bringing new players in. You meant to start freshening things up a little bit. I think yeah. maybe he'll, he'll get in then. But um, yeah, good win for the lads on Wednesday. Uh, as we've mentioned, Hamas Rodriguez wasn't involved. Um, before we wrap up tonight, we'll have a quick chat about that. Um, Patrick, I'll come back to you first on, on this one, mate. Um, I think the manager ultimately didn't really do him any favours by coming out and saying that he was fatigued and that's why he wasn't playing. Um, I suppose that the, the thing for me with this, it's, it's you know, I was a bit annoyed for everyone at the game yesterday that he wasn't involved, wasn't even on the bench and, and all that kind of thing. But it was just a sort of dawn and realisation that in addition to a right back, a right midfielder, a central midfielder and another forward, the Everton need to to put a creative midfielder on on the list of transfers this this summer because as much as we all love this lad and have all watched him have watched him play this year and hope he's going to be available for as many games as possible. Um, it's hard to build a, a functioning attacking team around the player that that is only there half the time. Unfortunately, isn't it? Yeah, well, exactly. I think that's been now that's been one of my big frustrations with how we again coming back to those home games that. We haven't found a way, and I'm sure they've been trying, but whatever they've tried hasn't worked. And Ancelotti has tended to then just go back to the same mad ways of like playing a Christmas tree system. And I know Hammers has featured in a lot of these, a fair few of these games as well. Um, you know, or, or packing Gomez and Allen into the same midfield, and basically just being a massive gap. Um, we can't. We have to have another way of playing without Hammers Rodriguez that isn't that isn't just, you know, 18 yards out from goal. And we can say that the players aren't there at the minute, which is fine, I agree with, but it, it genuinely sometimes when he hasn't played, it looks like we can't pass to each other. <laughs> like, even at times last night, it was the same. And the, the, the worry for me now is, um, it's the first time last night that I've got that kind of, you know, that kind of Evertonian like slight seed of misery or doubt that he he's not going to be here next season. And the frustration, I, I really hope I'm wrong. And you know, it could he, he could genuinely just have been that Ancelotti didn't help himself by saying he was fatigued. You know, because muscle fatigue is a thing. And if he if he is that his calf can't you know do two games in three days, we all know that. But, you know, it's just not the way he said it. And after his press conference, when he questioned players' attitude and things, again, you start thinking, well, was he referring to someone in particular? 
and I mean, Ancelotti and James have a really good relationship, so I, it's not the first thing I jump to, but you do start kind of thinking then, don't you, that, well, is, is there something else bubbling under the surface there? Is there a bit of frustration um, that he can't stay fit? And same fatigue, it made him sound like he couldn't be asked. And it's just, it's not a good look for anybody. I don't think, I don't think it's a particularly great look for Ancelotti if, if that is the case, because to me, the, the best, I know he's a brilliant man manager and all right, who am I to question it? But in my mind, you'd say, well, look, you are, you're, you're on the bench. Even if he didn't come on, if he was just on the bench yesterday, we have nine subs. It's normally about seven goalkeepers on. So is there any, is there any harm in putting Rodriguez on the bench, even if realistically, you know that barring we're chasing a goal with 10 minutes ago, he's not going to come on? Do you know what as well, mate? Sorry to, sorry to interrupt you, but I yeah. think that, you know, in a funny sort of way, even have, just having him there at the ground, exactly. like some kind of celebrity guest or something, you know what yeah. I mean? Like would have made yeah. would have made everybody feel a whole lot better about this situation. But yeah. I read Phil Kirkbride in, in the Echo last night saying that he, he was sat at his home in form, me watching it. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't understand. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure Hammers was, was watching the game and things. I don't, I, there's been, it's been easy for people to stereotype Hammers and, and say, you know, he don't like the weather and he doesn't like working hard and things like that. But I remember the Brighton game earlier this month or last month, it's all blurred into one. And <laughs> he must, I think, he, you know, he, he worked harder than anyone else in our team that night in covering, because he had to. I don't think he's a lazy player. I just, I do, you know, we, and we, but we do know that we have to manage him. And we've got, he's played 26 games this season and started 24 in all competitions. And I think if we'd have all said when we signed him, we all probably thought if we get 25 games out of this lad, we're doing well. It's the when it's it's the games that he's missed in in you know the times of the season that he's missed them, and then you just thought that last night could have been that one little thing of like yeah here you are he is here he is this is a sign of his commitment, and this is why I come back to that okay if he has told Ancelotti I can't I can't play tonight because I'm I'm really not feeling it after the other other day, then if it's been that sense of like I can't you know I'm too tight to play. To me, the solution is still, well, you, you are on the bench, you're in the squad, or you're at least, as you said, Matt, you're very least out of the ground because we've got a lack of appreciation to do and you're part of the squad. Now, I know um, John Fleek, Damien, wasn't there. I, I don't know if a few other players who were injured were there. I don't know what the maybe regulations are. It was only the match day squad that went round at the end, to be right, fair. Right, OK, yeah. So maybe it is just, maybe it is just that. And I suppose with COVID regulations and things, that is, that is different. So... It's just, it is just that frustration. It's that sinking feeling that if he isn't here next year, but we go and sign that winger that we need and we go and get that midfielder and that right back and another striker to come in or another another winger on top of that and we can get rid of, you know, Wilby and Bernard if, if there's offers for them. But then are we going to be missing, we're going to be crying out this time next year if only we had James Rodriguez. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? If only yeah. we had that player to provide that little, that, to provide the ammunition for those players and, and while those players are coming in should, in theory, allow us to play a different game that takes the onus off Ahmed, that means he doesn't have to start every game that he's fit for. He does, you know, he can be taken in and out. Um, so I just hope that's the case because I've loved watching him play. It would be the most Everton thing ever. I think someone said it. I think plenty of people said it probably at the start of the season. Probably yourself, Matt, after you've been to the Chelsea game and the Arsenal game, he wasn't fit for the Man United <laughs> game. And it's like... We're never going to get to see him, are we? And it was yeah. that, you know, it was that feeling yesterday. Like, yeah, it's, you know, I, I, I've, I've accepted that 
I might not get to go to Sun Park next season if he's here for another year. And I might never get to see him in the flesh play uh, for Everton. But, um, you know, I, for, for no fans to do it is, uh, yeah, it would be would be peak Everton, wouldn't it? Maybe just thought that bottle of Echo Falls was horrendous. He's taking it the wrong way. He's just, no, oh, yeah, wanna, I, won't, I won't be surprised. Never, like, never want to be around. If these, if these, if these fans give me this to drink, why, why, why <laughs> would I want to go and play in front of them? But do, do you know what? Better, I think Patrick's makes some really good points there, and it's it, it sort of makes me think of that classic thing as a football fan, where ahead of a season where you've you're potentially going through a transition phase and you, you're sitting there at the start of the season. I hate that but term, Matt. It's, it's August. <laughs> no, but do, do you know what I mean? It's, it's August. Yeah, the, the sun's on your back. Transition is another excuse for not achieving anything, but, but in you, our case. But... but everyone says, you know, it's going to be tough for this season. You know, we're going to have bumps mm, in the road. Yeah. It's going to be a learn experience. And, and you say that in August before you kick a football. But then when you're in it and you're experiencing it and you're coming out the ground and you've, you've lost or you're watching games and you've lost it, it's a lot less palatable. And I think we all sort of thought that this was going to be the case with Rodriguez. And, and like Patrick said, if someone had said to us at the start of the campaign, this lad's going to play 26 games for you, you'd probably go, do you know what? That's that's probably about what you'd expect around about where, where you'd want him to be. But when you're, you know, getting little news before the game that he's got knocks, when you, you're expecting team news for him to be playing and he's not involved, it's, um, it's, it's a lot more difficult to sort of take that step back, isn't it? And maintain perspective with it. Yeah, I think that is the disappointment. I think if you know we'd have, you know, done a hamstring or really done something seriously, I think you'd understand it. But it seems to be niggly little injuries, and it almost feels though the injuries are starting to stack up as being, you know, different, you know, versions of can't be asked, basically. And that's um, something we don't, what we don't, we assume that isn't the case. You know, I think there's a lot of perspective to be taken from what Ancelotti said before the game. I think the, the actual words he used were a little tired, but. I think you've got to look at that. You know, Ancelotti, English isn't his first language. You've got to look at the context and check that he did mean literally that's what it was. It could have, you know, like Patrick quite right, so it could have been muscle fatigue, which which is an injury in itself. But, I mean, one question I kind of wanted to sort of bring up that someone sort of, you know, pointed towards me about the Hammers situation. You know, we know that the reputation of Hammers Rodriguez is that he loves playing with Carlo Ancelotti. He's a father figure to him on and off the pitch. Do you maybe think Carlo's too easy on him? You maybe think that one of the reasons that James loves playing for him is that if he's got a little bit of a nick or he's got, you know, broken toenail or he's doesn't quite feel up for it, Carlo puts his arm around him and says, Well, that's all right, you're good enough to pick and choose when you're playing. I mean, it, it's quite sad to think that um, you know, a, a player of his ability in the league that he's in and with the reputation he's got and the clout that he's got would, would ever not want to play football. You would always want him to always do everything he can to play football. You know, we used to have Tim Cale turn up and playing with a calf strain, playing with, you know, a groin strain and just battling through it, taking himself up and getting on with it. I accept that Hammers isn't that type of player. I completely get that. But, you know, another thing that was interesting to me as well, Matt, I'm sure, Patrick, you saw it as well. He had an interview in the week where, and I thought it was so bizarre for a 29-year-old footballer to be asked whether or not he's considering what his plans for retirement are. And his response was, I don't want to play until I'm too old. I mean, this is all, again, it's all circumstantial, but it's all pointing pointing evidence towards a player that really doesn't really want to play football that much. And maybe, I hope I'm wrong, but maybe it is a case of just, I don't fancy it tonight, boss. Uh, you let me have the night off and Carlos maybe knows how good he is, so he's a bit too easy on him. But it was massively, massively disappointing for me yesterday to see the team, especially when we had no indication in advance. The club should have put something out a day ago, you know, just to warn the fans because to avoid the fume and, and the bad negative 
disastrous even PR event that, that kind of happened. But now I question whether he'll be there next season. If I was a better man, I'd probably say he won't be because I just don't know whether, you know, and it's awful to say because he's got the Copa America coming up and he's probably, you know, he is probably more bothered about that than he is finishing eighth with Everton and in a way that's just how it's always going to be. But I mean, how devastating is it to think that at just 29 years of age, this lad's that had that many bumps in the road in terms of his form and his fitness. And he's just at the point now where I wouldn't be surprised if if he did leave Everton, that it wouldn't be to another club. I think he's just hang his boots up and, and he'd be OK with that. And I, I hope that he proves me wrong, stays next season and shows that he does want to play football and, and there's a fight in him. But at the moment, he just seems all too convenient of an excuse for me, the odd calf strain, the odd fatigue. And, you know, I'll just be devastated if we don't see him live because he's probably... Pound for pound, ability wise, the best footballer I've seen in Everton, technically wise, anyway. And it's just, it's just a shame if all that's to come about and he, he doesn't quite fancy it. Because you know, I think if he did turn up at Goodison Park with a capacity crowd, I think he'd uh, there'd be a lot of love for him there. And I think if, if that couldn't win him back round, I don't think there's any hope for him. And I just hope that we're all speaking too prematurely and he'll be there next mm. season and maybe he'll even sign a contract extension over the summer, come out with a big load of PR saying how happy he is at Everton and, and that'll be enough for me. But, you know, that'll be enough for me to not worry about all this because he'll be staying for next season. But as it stands, you wonder not whether Carlo is a little bit too easy on him and that maybe he just hasn't got, he doesn't have, you know, the hunger anymore to, to do it, especially when you're competing in mid-table. Yeah, I love the idea that Coming and playing for Everton's the final straw, and that's it. I've got to retire. I've got to retire now. Everton down aside. I just think <laughs> the way he is, I think he realizes he's not. He's a player that looks to me who realizes he's had his shot. He ain't gonna get back to playing for Real Madrid, Barcelona, Man United, Man City. So it was. Oh, Carlo's there. We'll see how that goes. He's got there. You know, almost as if to me. It's, it's his last straw in football. I'm fed up playing football now. Carl goes, come on, good. I'll, I'll get you back in love with football again. And the injuries have happened and the fatigue's happened. It's just it's just not gelled for him enough for him to be. He was looked frustrated when he's been on the pitch recently as well for me. Hmm. Patrick? Yeah, I mean, you've made some really good points, but it's hard to disagree fully. I just think we've got to just wait and see how it plays out, really, because I don't think there was any indication or inclination of any real actual frustration from Hamez up until maybe the last few weeks of the season. Um, and you've got, to, you've got to take into account, like you said, he hasn't played. This is why it's so frustrating that he wasn't there yesterday, that he wasn't even on the bench in the sense of like how Mbappe was never going to play against Man City the other week. Yeah. But he was on, he was on the bench because you've got nine subs and you're not going to use them all. And it's just that little thing of, all right, he's there. And, you know, I think if PSG maybe had been a goal up in that game and needed, you know, they'd have actually had a proper chance before they lost it all. I think, or they were got into extra time, I think then Mbappe might have been called upon. It's that kind of, it's all that, like you say, it's all about PR and all about... It's sim- symbolic, about, isn't it? It's like a symbolic yeah, gesture, it, yeah. It's a, to quote Alan Partridge, it's all about perception, Lynn. And <laughs> it is, it's just, it's, you know, you have him... It, it avoids any of this conversation then. And, you, you know, all right, it would be straight that we didn't get to see him play, but it's like, no, he's still here. He's, he's still our player. Whereas, yeah, if he's sat in form, be on his own, watching, allegedly watching the game, you know, it could be... He definitely turned off at half time, didn't he? Because I would. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, I, I knew... Probably I mean, watching sure Cody. wouldn't really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were better things to do. I've regularly thought that. Like, what am I doing? Why am I watching this? Um, 
but it's that kind of he's come over in a pandemic, a time that we've not you know we've not seen before. He's not been legally allowed to leave the house apart from to go and train for six months that he's been here. You know, there's I don't think they've got any indication that he doesn't particularly like the area or anything like that. But you've got to think he's he's got. Do you think family. he'll be here next season, Patrick? I thought up until literally up until the last night, it was the first time that I started thinking he, he might not be here now, I, and it was just that because up until then I, I had no reason to doubt. Maybe not his will. commitment. I just had no reason. You, you to, nailed I just had no reason yeah. to the cross there, Matt. Yeah, I, I think he'll be. I, I think. I think the, but, think he'll sign a contract extension and no. they'll try and make it a big like uh, oh he's staying kind of PR thing. So I think no. if he if he's staying, they'll extend his contract. No, I, I I don't think he'll sign an extension. Um, to be honest, I wouldn't I wouldn't be in a, a rush to give him no. one. Yeah, but um, I don't know. I think uh, you know it's. it's I think. Really I mean, I, just, I think I what like he's we'll, delivered. We'll so... of... Sorry, mate. Go ahead. No, I just think I... what he's delivered when he's been fit this season, in in general, has been what we what we wanted. I mean, he's. I agree. All yeah. right, he's created. Uh, I've just got 50, 54 chances created, which is second behind. Sigurdsson for us, but Sigurdsson's played uh, 17 more games in total. You know, created 14 big chances, 38 chances from open play. He's done when it when it equates out with what he's you know what he's played, the amount of play he's played, he has delivered. It, I suppose the frustration from oh, this yeah. point, I think there was is that you know he's the, he he laid on that chance for Richarlison and Sheffield United, and obviously I know Richarlison it was a good header and a good save from Ramsdale, but then Calvert Lewin goes goes and you know he's been brilliant this season goes and hits it at the keeper from a yard out, and maybe he is thinking I am maybe he's thinking what am, you know am I <laughs> am I taking this team anyway maybe maybe he is in a rush because he does want that final say I think he's in every interview he's done he's made it really clear that he wants to take Everton into the Champions League and I think he you know I don't think it's a lack of a drive but I think maybe he does realise that he's running out of time like you say Ben like like he probably does realise he's not going to be able to play till he's 38 he might have two to three more years so if he's going to if he's going to achieve one more thing I suppose there is a rush for him to do it I mean it's only a year ago that he was on not a year ago so the year before 2019, it was on the verge of joining Atletico Madrid. Now, yeah. Diego Simeone doesn't sign players who aren't going to be committed, aren't going to work out. If he did, he'd, he'd quickly find out. I really don't think it's that problem with Hamez. It's a bit like the Sigurdsson thing. It's just like he his body can't do it, but he, he, he brings so many other things. I think that commitment's there. I just think maybe he thinks, I haven't got time to waste. I suppose we'll just, yeah. we'll just have to see what happens in the summer. And that, sorry, can I just say at the end, Matt yeah. said, I know obviously we're running out of time, but I completely agree with what Patrick said there. And I'm not for one minute out the lad's ability. He's absolutely world class when he plays. Yeah. I hope he's there next season. And I would obviously would all get behind him. I just think it's a little bit frustrating, but I'm certainly not doubting his contributions when he's been on the pitch. Oh, yeah, fully agree. It's the frustration, isn't it? It's just, yeah. And it summed it up yesterday that he wasn't there for the one time that, you know, 7,000 fans could be. Yeah, I think that that's fair enough. Yeah, I suppose we, we, you know, this is what we always do as football fans. We fill in the gaps, don't we? Because yeah, we don't know what, what goes on behind the scenes or anything like that. Uh, we can only go off what these these people say, what the managers say. And more often than a lot, man, uh, managers tell lies anyway. So it's it's hard, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard to get your head around. But uh, not yeah, Carlo, uh, man, not Carlo. Oh, he's told loads of lies. He said Josh King was going to start games for us, mate, and <laughs> look where we are. 
We'll play out Luna and Alan. We're going to start in the derby and nothing goes down well with uh, Jürgen, did it? Josh King starting up top on a Sunday. We're going for it. Going to fire us to Europe. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, we have round time, so we'll have a chat about that on another show. Uh, if you want to come and join us on the Blue Room Extra, we're doing a preview over there uh, with Dave Mooney uh, from BBC and the Blue Moon podcast. Uh, it's patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra if you want to hear that. Uh, lots of content over there this week, including, um, as we mentioned, the Monday slash Tuesday show with Ben, Gav. And it will Matt be Monday Neil. next week. <laughs> be Monday. Back to, it's, it, these fixtures are playing havoc of our our schedule, mate. I think people understand that. But yeah, Subs Weekly is also up there. Preview for the Wolves game. And uh, yeah, preview for City and Mailbag as well tomorrow. So looking forward to doing that. But that's been your weekly show. Cheers to Ben. Cheers to Patrick. Uh, fingers Cheers, crossed. Mate. Next week, we'll be looking back at a win at City. And we'll be looking at Everton being in European football. Bring on the Farmers League. <laughs>